joy it is to see all of us here today at worship at Glenlock. I want to welcome you. We are about to have our minister of announcements come up, but it is his birthday this week. I think Tuesday, Bryson, our family life pastor, turns 28 years old. What a kid. And we are so blessed to have such a gifted, godly, and hardworking young man. We are blessed to have you, uh, Bryson, as our family life pastor. And um, we have a small token of appreciation for your 28th birthday. So as he comes to do announcements, happy birthday, brother. We love you. Thank you. Grateful for you. He's got me all thrown off. He shooed me away. Um, well, it's good to be here. And uh, as you can tell, fall break is happening in all of our local schools. So a lot of families are gone this week. So that'll go into our first announcement that we will not have any uh, services tonight for anybody. And then no students or kids on Wednesday this week um, because of fall break. So... Um, take some time to spend with your families, and we are looking forward to getting back into our normal routine next Sunday evening, next Sunday morning into Sunday evening. So uh, just be aware of that. Um, next Sunday evening is the Carrollton Baptist Associational Annual Meeting. Um, it's at 6 o'clock at Villarica if you are interested in attending that uh, at First Baptist Church of Villarica. And uh, couple of things that are coming up. One, if you have a backpack and you haven't turned it in yet for the Appalachian Backpack Ministry, you can turn that in next week. We have the, uh, we have the ability to take those next week. Um, so if you have one or if you haven't picked one up and you're thinking, I would love to do that, there are some backpacks back there with information on how to fill those out. It's a great ministry um, to be a part of. So if you have any questions about that, you can see me or Neil and uh, we'll answer those for you. And then just a couple of big events coming up. One in particular is the Fall Festival. So uh, it is October 30th um, from 5 to 7. And uh, we have trunk or treat, games, um, giveaways, food. We're doing all of that. And it's a great opportunity because the community comes to us, right? And they come and, and come and get on campus and, and participate. So if you would like to volunteer, um, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. Uh, we need as many volunteers as we can get because it's a pretty big operation. So um, if you have any questions about that, you can see me and uh, we'll get you plugged in somewhere um, to serve at the Fall Festival. It's a, like I said, it's always a great opportunity to connect with families in our community, uh, which is ultimately what we want to do is we want to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. And so what better way to do that than they come to us, right? And so if that's the, if that's the case, I would love for you to come and and participate in that. So other than that, there's a, a new uh, October schedule in the back. If you didn't get one of those last week, it's got a few other uh, dates on it. Um, but as we get started, we're about to begin with worship. So I'm going to pray, and then we will get started worshiping together this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And uh, Lord, I'm just thankful for just uh, your, your love and your grace that you show us each and every day. And um, Lord, as we come together this morning to sing, I pray that we would come in a heart of a heart of thanksgiving, Lord, a heart of of understanding just all that you've done for us. Lord, it's so easy to get distracted by the 
um, the normalcy of worship. And it's easy to get distracted by the, the routine of worship, Lord, but I pray that we would never lose our awe of who you are and what you've done, Lord, that you would just give us just hearts to want to praise you, Lord, just knowing that each and every day, each and every hour, each and every second, Lord, is a gift from you. Lord, I thank you so much for just the continued work that you do in our lives, not only just save us, Lord, but to transform us. And Lord, I pray that we would continue to seek you and all that we do, Lord, knowing that you first sought us. Lord, we love you so much, and thank you for this time that we get to worship together. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. If you'll stand, we're going to begin worship this morning with singing What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Continue worshiping without love to tell the story.
you may be seated. At this time, Mr. Benji is going to come read our scripture for the day. Just in case some of you did not know that our beloved piano player, Miss Judy Whittemore, passed earlier this week after a couple of weeks of sickness. She continued to grow progressively worse. And so as we worship today, I've, I've got her on my mind. I've got Mr. Joe on my mind. She's back here, you know, week after week, so faithfully uh, and joyfully playing, you know, her instrument using her talents and gifts. And Mr. Joe would obviously be with her. So I want, uh, if Benji, after you read, would you pray especially for Joe and their family this week because they, like us, not only feel this, but they feel it in a, you know, in a weightier, in a weightier way. So um, if you're just now finding out uh, our apologies, we tried to communicate that as best as possible, but still, I know there's some of you who may not have been aware that Miss Judy passed, but she's in heaven now. Uh, she was such an encouraging, faithful believer in the gospel. And so in our sadness, we can also rejoice in the fact that she is, uh, she is worshiping with the king uh, this morning as, as we gather. So Benji, thank you. Didn't mean to catch you off guard, but I thought we would need to do that. The scripture this morning is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living translation because I love the way this passage ends in a description about heaven and it made me actually think about Judy as I read this passage um, her, her obituary started out and it said on Monday October 3rd Judy Whittemore left her earthly body to spend eternity in heaven with her Lord and Savior Jesus Christ I thought, you know what a beautiful way to start an obituary um, and in this passage, at the very end, I'm going to read the last verse first. In the New Living Translation, it says, Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there's a promise in this passage that if we do these things, we will have a grand entrance in heaven. I know Judy had a grand entrance in heaven, and it probably involved a grand piano somewhere. Uh, you know, she served faithfully for, for so many years in so many different ways. And, you know, our prayer and hope is that we will receive a grand entrance into heaven. And this passage tells us what we need to do to, to receive that grand entrance. So... So Peter is writing here and he says, This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to you who, who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. 
In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises and hear the instructions of how we should live in order to get this grand entrance into heaven. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away, or some translations say you will never stumble. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the promises that you've given us in your word that uh, give us such hope and assurance. And this is one of those great promises that because of the, the things that you have done for us, your death, burial, and resurrection, Father, we are assured of a place in heaven. But it's how we respond to those promises that uh, determine how grand our entrance will be. May we be wise enough uh, to respond in obedience to your word. And we can't help but um, think of Judy as we read these verses because she was such a faithful servant of yours. And we pray for Joe in the days ahead that you would be with him, be with him and his family, comfort them as only you can during these times, Father. Just pray that your mercy, grace, and kindness will be abundantly supplied to them. Uh, just comfort us all, Lord. We will miss Judy, and we will miss her even today in our service. Um, so be with us all, and Lord, help us to be encouraged and inspired by the life that she lived. We just thank you for your word, Father. Continue to speak to us today through your word, through Neil, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. you'll stand we're gonna sing together again let's sing at the cross
is going to come sing a special for us now.
and all those who are helping with children's church this morning. You're a blessing and we are grateful. And we are grateful for our musicians, Brooke, Miss Joyce, Miss Becky. You know, it's said about preachers that God buries the messenger, but he continues the message. So I respectfully say that God also, with the music of the gospel, will bury the musician, but he continues the music. And that's our faithful God. He will be with us until the end and beyond. And oh, for grace to trust him more. What a beautiful blessing was the talent and the sharing of the heart of that song. Okay, we're still in Luke. If you wanted to know where we were going this morning, so turn to Luke chapter 23 as the story of Christ and the cross continues. Jesus last week was arrested. He was arrested. This week, our focus on the fact that Jesus is sentenced. And it's pretty simple where we're going. We're going next week, Jesus is crucified, and then we're going the next week that Jesus is risen. You're familiar with this story. In fact, sometimes I think we are too familiar with this story, and we don't think deeply enough about how we should respond and the effect it is to have on our hearts and our minds and our behaviors. So again, Benji's reading was so so fitting and appropriate, not only to this text, but to the context that we are in uh, with Miss Judy's passing and also just in daily life and daily discipleship. Peter got it. Peter got what you're supposed to get when you're confronted with the cross of Christ and the resurrection. And Benji preached a message from Second Peter briefly earlier that's going to sound a lot like what this one is about to be. So I'm so grateful for all of you and those of you who continue to come alongside and serve and help in the, in the ministry of the gospel. So uh, let's cut to the chase here. Luke chapter 23, I'm going to read 1 through 26. A lot of this we're not going to go into depth on. I'm really going to land with these last two characters, Barabbas the Notorious and Simon the Notable. And we're going to talk about them and how they connect with this and how we should connect with their personal situation. So there's a lot to get through, obviously, as Jesus is sentenced. So the whole body of them arose and brought Jesus before Pilate. And they began to accuse him. Now just that statement in itself is, is out of line. They began to accuse Christ. God comes down and he is arrested. And now he's being accused. So they began to accuse him, saying, we found this man. And if you want a homework assignment, go this afternoon and circle every time in Luke 23, it says, this man. This man. Okay? That's, not going to say it again. Y'all do that on your own later this afternoon as you're watching NFL football or something. So, 
Anyway, let's be a realist here. Uh, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes. That's a pack of lies. I'm not going to stop and say every time, that's bogus, that's ridiculous. There's a lot here that's bogus and ridiculous. He forbid us to pay taxes to Caesar and, and saying that he himself is Christ the king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him and said, It is as you say. Now the smart aleck in me wants him to say, You said it. But again, that's not the heart and attitude of Christ, I'm sure. So his tone must have been more like it is as you say, a much more humble, gracious tone. Pilate said to the chief priests and the multitudes, I find no guilt in this man. But they kept on insisting, saying, he stirs up the people. Teaching all over Judea, starting from Galilee, even as far as this place. But when Pilate heard it, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was in Jerusalem at the time. It's the time of the Feast of the Passover, so Herod was there as well. Verse 8 is a shift. So Herod was very glad when he saw Jesus. He had wanted to see him for a long time because he had been hearing about him and was hoping to see some sign performed by him. So he questioned him at some length. But Jesus answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes were standing there accusing him vehemently. And Herod with his soldiers, after treating him with contempt and mocking him, they they dressed him up in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate became friends with one another that very day. For before they had been, before they had been at enmity with each other. So another shift, Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and he said to them, you brought this man to me as one who incites the people to rebellion. Behold, having examined him before you, I find no guilt in this man. I find no guilt in this man regarding the charges with which you make against him. No, nor has Herod, for he sent him back to us and behold nothing nothing deserving death has been done by him i will therefore punish him and release him and he was obliged to release to them at the feast one prisoner but they cried out all together saying away with this man and release for us barabbas he was one who had been thrown into prison for a certain insurrection made in the city and for murder So Barabbas had already been found guilty of insurrection and murder. So Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again, but they kept on calling out, saying, Crucify, crucify him. And he said to them the third time, Why? What evil has this man done? 
I have found in him no guilt demanding death. I will therefore punish him and release him. Why punish him if he's not guilty? Again, probably thinking this will at least appease the mob and the crowd and they'll be satisfied and we'll let him go and I'll be done with this whole thing. But that's not what happens. It backfires. But they were insistent with loud voices asking that he be crucified and their voices began to prevail. I would think over and against the conscience and the judgment entrusted into Pilate. So then in verse 24, Pilate pronounced sentence that their demand should be granted. And he released the man that they were asking for who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder. But he delivered Jesus to their will. And when they led him away, they laid hold of, they seized one Simon of Cyrene coming in from the country and they placed on him the cross to carry behind Jesus. Father, thank you this morning for this passage which is so clear and so instructive as to what Jesus went through on his way to the cross as he was unrighteously, unjustly sentenced to be crucified. And as we are familiar with this story, maybe not all the details of it, Lord, impress upon us the need to be changed, the need to grow, the need to reflect this good news in our lives and how we live, to understand it. And have it press us to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen and amen. What a passage, right? Um, Luke chapter 23 tells the story of the sentencing of Jesus who had been arrested. And as I read through this and as I studied this, one of the thoughts that I had as I worked through this was that they are treating Jesus the very opposite of how he should be treated. It's the complete opposite of how Christ should be responded to, which is worship and adoration. And I'm going to get into this in a moment, but let me first share with you something that happened this morning in my living room. Part of my morning routine is to put the dogs out. And I have Ringo, a larger dog, then Caper is a much smaller, tiny black dog. And Caper's growing old. He's in his late 70s now, <laughs> in dog years. And I've noticed that as he ages, he's getting grumpier. 
and he's sleeping on the couch, and I've got to go to church. i got to get these dogs out. So I ease over to Caper to pick him up, you know, like a, like a father would a son. I reach down to pick him up, and he growls at me, and he bites at me. He snaps at me. <laughs> I'm like, Caper, what are you doing? <laughs> me, of all people. You don't bite the hand of the one who feeds you. <laughs> and I started replaying in my mind, Caper, I'm your master. I've taken good care of you. I've, I've rescued you. I've done this. I've done that. And in that brief moment, I thought to myself, why in the world is Caper treating me the very opposite of how I feel I should be treated? <laughs> and so I eased him up graciously and placed him out. But it happens all the time, doesn't it? We treat people, and ultimately we treat God in ways that are incongruent or out of line with how they should be treated. Now this chapter is filled with Jesus, the pure, sinless, loving Son of God, if we went back through this and, and found all of these, he's being accused, he's being condemned, he's being lied about, he, he is being shouted down, he's being mocked, he's been betrayed. I mean, we could go through the list and we could think of 50 things that are in this passage that display that they are treating him wrongly. They are treating him unfairly. And if you've ever seen or read the Chronicles of Narnia, it reminds me of that scene when Aslan the lion is going to lay down his life and substitute for, for someone else. And these fiends and these ghouls, I mean, they are mocking. They, it is a scene reminiscent of this one. And when I watch that scene, my heart and mind starts responding. That's not right. But then, of course, we know the ending. And then, of course, we know the purpose. So let me cut to the chase again and just confess that what I have before us this morning are some words that describe how we should respond to Christ. How we should respond to this story. If they're responding wrongly, what is the right way to respond? Well, I think it will help us if we think through that there is a sense and we are just like Barabbas and there's a sense and we are, that we are just like Simon of Serene. And so I want to talk briefly about those two characters and then get to the words. Now, you'll be happy to know that I originally had 12 response words to describe <laughs> Yeah, I know. So let me do the math for you. We're going to do seven this morning and five next week. That's the plan, but it may change as I look at that clock on the wall back there, okay? So you stay with me. Now, why does he want to focus on these last two characters, Barabbas, the notorious? Well, here's why. Barabbas would have come home from his day and said, you would not believe what happened to me today. 
I am a free man. I am guilty, unworthy of insurrection and murder, and I have been set free. I was headed for a cross. I was headed for crucifixion, but now I have been released. And Jesus, the innocent, has been condemned to die in my place. Now that's the gospel good news and mercy that God has shown to you and me. Guilty, vile, and as helpless as Barabbas, we get what Jesus deserves and he took what we deserved. He took our punishment. He took our place. So I can't press this too far, but but we are like Barabbas. We need to make that connection in our minds before we can get to how we're going to respond. And then the second connection is Simon the Notable. He literally is the first one who takes up his cross and follows Jesus. Or actually, he's forced to bear the crossbeam of Jesus himself. Now, here's the thought. Simon of Serene would have also said, you're not going to believe what happened to me today. I just showed up in Jerusalem for the Passover, and there, as I was trying to enter the city gate, there came this man and this mob, and these Roman soldiers took their swords, and they tapped me on the shoulder. And you know how those Roman soldiers are. They can command and compel you at any moment to to take one of their backpacks and carry it for a mile. That's why Jesus said, if anyone forces or compels you to go one mile, you go with them too. So these Roman soldiers pressed Simon and forced him to go behind Jesus and carry the crossbeam of Jesus following behind. And the thought is that Jesus was already so beaten and so weakened that he was unable to go the rest of the way to Golgotha. So we too are in a sense not only like Barabbas, but we are called to be like Simon of Serene. So what I want to say is that as Jesus was arrested and sentenced, so too Barabbas and Simon were arrested and sentenced, and especially Simon of Serene. He was pressed into serving Christ and pressed into doing something. And if you and I read this story, and if we will think this, God, how are you pressing me? How are you molding me? How should this story move and command me to respond properly to what you, our God, have done for us in Christ? So, as Simon was pressed, this presses and moves us. So what are the words? Well, those of you who get, who get the emailed notes are already a little bit ahead of the game. <laughs> but the first word is the first word that Mark's gospel begins with, and that is repentance. Repentance. In Mark 1.15, it says that Jesus began his ministry saying, 
The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Now, what in the world is repentance? It basically is the realization and confession that I am wrong. Rather than being driven to repentance, the enemies of Jesus Throughout Luke 23, they're not in repentance. What are they in? They are in complete rebellion. Rather than repentance, they are accusing. They are proud, and they are arrogant, and they are self-righteous, and they have manipulations, and they have lies, they have agendas. They are moving the very opposite of the way of Christ. And what repentance is, is the awareness that I'm... I'm relating wrongly to God. I'm relating wrongly to Christ. I must turn from my way and agree with God about who Jesus is and what he's done. So the cross should press us into awareness that Look at this. Look at what it takes to save a sinner like you and me. Look at how far off we've gone. That we were so bad that God had to come down and subject himself to this humanistic rebellion in order to save and rescue us. It should bring us to repentance. Paul says it's the kindness of God which leads you to repentance. Now, repentance is so rare and so shocking that when someone does it, it's almost mind-blowing for someone to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. What does that take? And I saw it yesterday on a golf course. A guy literally circled back a few holes later after a brief disagreement with me and how I handled it and how he handled it. He came back to me and he said, I want to apologize. He said, I was wrong. You know what I said to him? I said, you bet you you were wrong. No, I didn't say that. (laughs) I didn't say that at all. Because I know what it's like to be ultimately wrong. If you have been behind Jesus and following him, looking at what he has done for you, then you know how wretched you are. And your approach to life and people and circumstances is I'm one like Barabbas. I'm a wretch who was guilty and who who has been set free. And Jesus, the pure Son of God, has died for me. So I tell you what we need to do is live a, a life of repentance. You and I are called to live a life of repentance. I've got to move on. But has the cross broken you? Have you turned from trusting in yourself? Have you realized the bankruptcy and poverty of your own good deeds, your own morality, everything about you? Look at the kindness of God our Savior and may it drive us not only to repent and turn for salvation, but to constantly examine our lives in light of his holiness and his purity and his grace. 
and that you and I would be called to live a life of repenting, a life of turning, a life of change. So one of the qualities that the cross presses us into is repentance. The second quality is faith. To believe. The ultimate issue with the enemies of Christ, Pilate, Herod, the angry mob, is that they refuse to believe. They will not exercise faith. They will not objectively consider the evidence. With their lies and their agendas, they are locked into they are locked into skepticism and doubt. When Jesus came preaching, he preaches this. This is the work of God that you believe. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. What does it mean to believe? It means to cast all that you are and all that you have and all that you trust upon Christ and his finished work. It means this. Here's a good acronym. Forsaking all I trust him. Now there are examples along the cross and along the way of people who did repent and believe. And we're going to look at some of those in the future. But essentially it means to put your whole weight down. To put your whole weight down, to cast all your cares, all your anxiety, all your hopes, all your dreams, all your future, your past, your present, to put everything down upon what we see Jesus doing here for us in Luke chapter 23. Some of us remind me of the elderly farmer whose family took up a bunch of money to give him for the first time a plane ride in the sky. Now I read this story, and when I read it, it kind of reminded me of Tim Rowley and the airstrip that he has over there in one time when Tim took me up in a plane. So in a similar scene, the family took up the money they gave this farmer. He's about 85 years old, his first plane ride, and he, his whole life he had wanted to get up and fly. But he was terrified, so he would never submit to it. Well, finally, they took the money. He submits to going up in the plane. He gets in the plane. He, he spends maybe an hour flying around, and he comes back down, and he lands. And, and, and the family is just waiting, just dying to hear what, what their grandpa thought of his first flight. Pilot gets out. Grandpa gets out. He comes over to the family. They say, what would you think, Granddad? He said, oh, he said, I was fine. <laughs> he said, I was fine. He said, because I never let my full weight down. <laughs> and sometimes I imagine that that's us. As we look at what Christ does on our behalf, clearly we can trust him completely. For our salvation, we can trust him completely 
for our sustaining and our transformation. We can trust him completely. I think this is what Brooke said, that he will be faithful. This is what she's saying. He will be faithful until the end. How do we know that he will be faithful to the end? Look at this text. Look at how he responds. Look at how he forges on. Look at how he presses on to the hour that was before him. Completely faithful. So that we can respond with faith in Christ. I'm going to give you one more. I don't know what I'll do next week. You need to come back and see. The third word is worship. Worship. Notice how the enemies of Christ have no reverence and no respect for Jesus or truth. In fact, Herod, Herod, not only does he not take Jesus seriously at all, but just to be real, he treats Jesus like a, like a clown. And I hesitate to even use that phrase. He, he treats Jesus like he's a buffoon. And if you ever wonder, why does Jesus not say anything at all to Herod? Because Jesus knows Herod's heart. He knows what he's thinking. And someone put it like this, to give more truth to one who does not love the truth is just to give them more, uh, more information to, to misuse and misinterpret. So he doesn't say anything to Herod. But what a complete lack of worship. What a complete lack of reverence. This is the one who created the universe. This is the one who breathed it into existence. This is the one who alone is worthy of all of our praise, worthy of all the best that we could ever bring. And those who truly get it respond to this story and to the gospel, not only with faith and repentance, but awe and worship. This is Christ the King. And the rulers of this world will take their stand out of hatred and fear because they think that Christ is, is a threat to them because essentially he is a threat to them. But to those who will bow down and worship in adoration and honor and glory, he's in the right place. Pilate stood over Jesus and claimed to have full authority. At first, Jesus didn't answer Pilate, and Pilate says to him, To me you do not speak? To me of all people? Jesus said, you would have no authority whatsoever unless it were granted to you from heaven. Paul later puts it like this. In view of the mercies of God, present your bodies, your lives, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto him. This is your reasonable worship. This is your worship. When we respond like this, it highlights the worth of Christ, the honor of Christ, what he is due. And I want to break out into the song, All hail the power of Jesus' name. 
In this chapter, we have it completely flipped upside down. Those who are in authority and position are mocking and berating and condemning Christ, who has all authority, who alone is worthy of worship, who alone is worthy of praise, who alone is worthy of our very best. And when you and I read this story, and when we see the depth of his worth and his love, and when we see the power of his resurrection, you and I should say with William Cowper, the dearest idol that I have known, whatever that idol may be, may I tear it from your throne and worship only thee. Worship thee alone. Now I'm going to close. But from him and to him and through him are all things. This chapter ought to press us and move us to a life of worship. And as Benji said, and as I mentioned, Miss Judy Whittemore did that with her life. She really enjoyed worship. She worked hard at times to get here to lead us in worship because at times she struggled with some physical difficulties. But there were many, many times I would receive on Monday or Tuesday a personal message from her and Mr. Joe saying, Worship Sunday was such a blessing. It was so good to be there. Is any of that in you? Is that pressed upon you? Repentance and faith and worship. We get those three right. The other, however how many I told you was coming, they, they, honestly, they, they will take care of themselves. You get those three right, everything else will follow. Everything else will follow. Father, thank you for your love, your, your faithfulness, and how you worked all this together for our good and your glory. I pray that we would live a life of repenting, believing, trusting, worshiping, and that we would preach this gospel to ourselves every day, remembering that we too are like Barabbas. We're guilty. We deserve death. Punishment, condemnation. But Christ has stepped in and set us free. And we have been released to live. How should we live? And like Simon, we've been pressed to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Jesus. May step by step, day by day, week by week, We do that. We follow Jesus in every circumstance and asking what has he done? What would he do? What is he pressing us to do? Teach us these things, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. Have you made that decision? Are you daily following Christ? You come as we sing.
sing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly Have a great week.